Listen to any earnings call with the Borstar Earnings Call mobile app now available on the App Store. Check the show notes for the download link. Good day, everyone. Welcome to the Stitch Fix fourth quarter 2018 earnings conference call. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn things over to Mr. David Pierce. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you for joining us on the call today to discuss the results for our fourth quarter and full fiscal year for 2018. Joining me on today's call are Katrina Lake, founder and CEO of Stitch Fix, Paul Yee, our CFO, and Mike Smith, our COO. We have posted complete Q4 and full fiscal year financial results in our shareholder letter on the IR section of our website, investors.stitchfix.com. A link to the webcast of today's conference call can also be found on our site. We would also like to remind everyone that we will be making forward-looking statements on this call, which involve risks and uncertainties. Actual results could differ materially from those contemplated by our forward-looking statements. Reported results should not be considered as an indication of future performance. Please review our filings with the SEC for a discussion of the factors that could cause the results to differ. Also, note that the forward-looking statements on this call are based on information available to us as of today's date. We disclaim any obligation to update any forward-looking statements except as required by law. During this call, we will discuss certain non-GAAP financial measures. Reconciliations to the most directly comparable GAAP financial measures are provided in the shareholder letter on our IR website. These non-GAAP measures are not intended to be a substitute for our GAAP results. Finally, this call in its entirety is being webcast on our IR website, and a replay of this call will be available on the website shortly. I'd now like to turn the call over to Katrina. Thanks, David, and thank you for joining us. After the market closed today, we issued our quarterly shareholder letter with more details on our results, which I encourage you to read. I'll take a moment to highlight our results from the fourth quarter and full fiscal year and discuss how we are executing against our strategic roadmap. In the fourth quarter, we delivered net revenue at the high end of our guidance range and adjusted EBITDA that exceeded our guidance for the quarter. We grew our active client count to 2.7 million as of July 28, 2018, an increase of 548,000 and 25% year over year. We generated net revenue of 318 million, representing 23% year over year growth. In Q4, we generated 18.3 million in net income and 11.1 million in adjusted EBITDA. These results demonstrate our continued focus on delivering disciplined growth while making significant investments in future categories and capabilities. This fix is transforming the way people find what they love, one client at a time and one fix at a time. We're proud of what we've accomplished in our first year as a public company and the momentum we've built as we enter fiscal year 2019, and we are excited about the growth opportunities ahead. In the last year, we've delivered over $1.2 billion in net revenue, reflecting 26% growth year over year, while generating approximately $45 million in net income and $54 million in adjusted EBITDA. During this period, we also extended our total addressable market with our July launch of Stitch Fix Kids and introduced new innovations to our core services through efforts such as StylePass and Extras, adding flexibility and enabling us to further personalize our offering. The capital efficiency of our model enabled us to make these investments while also generating $56 million of free cash flow in the year and end fiscal year 2018 with a cash balance of approximately $300 million and no debt. 
In past quarters, we've discussed three growth pillars that serve as the foundation for our strategic roadmap. Firstly, expanding relationships with existing clients. Secondly, acquiring new clients. And thirdly, growing our addressable market. Today, I'd like to spend a moment on the first and third pillars with updates from Q4. First, I'll share an update on StylePass, a service that we rolled out in December 2017. It offers select clients unlimited styling for a $49 annual membership fee. To date, StylePass has outperformed the results from our pilot as we continue our disciplined rollout of the program. As of Q4 2018, the number of StylePass clients grew nearly 60% compared to the prior quarter, Q3 2018. In addition, we have found that StylePass clients spend more per fix, receive fixes more frequently, and have higher satisfaction ratings compared to non-StylePass clients. Services and new initiatives such as StylePass add flexibility to our offering allowing us to drive increased client satisfaction and also serving as a strong catalyst for client re-engagement. At the time of our IPO, we shared that from the beginning of fiscal 2014 through the end of fiscal 2017, over 650,000 unique clients had been re-engaged by checking out a fix after more than 16 weeks of inactivity. Updating this figure to include fiscal 2018, we've now successfully re-engaged over 1 million unique clients. In Q4, we also expanded our addressable market through the launch of Stitch Fix Kids. The offering allows us to effectively serve the entire household and comprises both market and exclusive brands in the offering. To date, we've received strong interest from our existing clients who've signed up their children with early positive feedback on the offering. While Kids remains a small portion of our business today, we look forward to providing you with updates in future quarters. As we look ahead to fiscal year 2019, we are excited to announce our plan to launch in the UK by the end of the fiscal year. Our successful previous category launches across men's, plus, and kids gives us confidence in our ability to execute on this international growth opportunity. Based on our consumer research and planning, we believe that our personalization capabilities will resonate with UK clients and that we can be a strong partner to international brands with whom we don't already work. Our engineering and data science capabilities will allow us to build a localized presence to effectively serve UK clients with the same highly personalized approach we've used in the US. We look forward to sharing more information and updates on this initiative in the quarters ahead. Now I'll turn it over to Mike, who will walk you through some operational highlights from the quarter. Thanks, Katrina, and hello to everyone joining us on today's call. I'd like to take a moment to provide an update on our Q4 marketing initiatives and learnings as well as discuss a few ways we began using style shuffle data during the quarter. One key marketing focus in Q4 was to drive channel learnings associated with TV and to better determine channel efficacy through a series of incrementality tests. To achieve this, we temporarily ceased our national TV campaign for 10 weeks to measure our channel of efficacy. Through this testing, we learned that TV was a more effective acquisition channel than we had previously modeled, as measured on a cost per acquisition basis. The test also enabled us to evaluate and quantify the interaction between TV and other advertising channels, which we believe will help us better determine the optimal ratio of advertising spend between TV and our other portfolio channels in future quarters. Last quarter, we shared details on Style Shuffle, 
an interactive mobile and web-based game in which participants rate an assortment of Stitch Fix merchandise. This game enables us to collect significantly more client preference data on each apparel item than we could have before the game was introduced and allows us to improve our personalization capabilities. We have begun leveraging this style shuffle data to enhance the overall client experience and drive business results. In Q4, we began incorporating the data into our women's stylist client matching algorithm, which drove an increase in average order value as compared to the prior algorithm. Style shuffle data not only improves outcomes for clients who play the game, it also helps us better serve those who have not yet played. In Q4 of 18, we used the data to drive increased revenue per client and engagement among both playing and non-playing clients, which we believe highlights the network effects of our data and the broad applicability of this style shuffle data. I will now turn the call over to Paul, who will walk you through our financial performance and outlook. Thank you, Mike. In December, on our first earnings call as a public company, we shared a commitment to grow the top line in a responsible, profitable manner and to reinvest free cash flow in improving the client experience and expanding our addressable market. Looking back at 2018, I'm proud to say that we've delivered on this promise. We expanded our client base and generated strong revenue growth. We drove positive adjusted EBITDA and free cash flow, and we invested in talent, marketing, and new categories with a long-term in mind. As we look ahead to 2019, we're committed to propelling this cycle of growth and reinvestment. Our shareholder letter provides details on our financials for the fourth quarter and full year, but here are highlights. In Q4 18, besides delivering another quarter of revenue growth of more than 20%, we expanded our gross margin, our adjusted EBITDA margin, our EPS, and our free cash flow year over year. These results reflect the cumulative benefit of the investments we've made over the past few years and our efforts across the company to drive scale, efficiencies, and working capital rigor. Net revenue for the quarter was $318 million, representing 23% year-over-year growth. Our performance is primarily driven by an increase in both women's and men's active clients. Kids launched at the end of the quarter and did not meaningfully contribute to our active client count or net revenue. Gross margin was 44.4%, our highest quarterly gross margin of fiscal 2018 and 90 basis points higher than last year's Q4. This improvement was driven by a decrease in inventory reserve, lower clearance expense, and reductions in shrink, all reflections of our initiatives to strengthen our operations and inventory management. We also continue to scale MENS, which in Q4 saw improved gross margins as we expanded from two to three warehouses and increased initial markups, or IMUs, across all merchandise subcategories. We also drove leverage in SG&A. Other SG&A excluding advertising was 32.8% of net revenue in the quarter, a 140 basis point improvement year over year. Variable labor drove 90 of these basis points, reflecting warehouse efficiencies enabled by system enhancements. The balance was due to leverage of non-payroll expenses such as professional fees and facilities. These efficiencies more than offset our investments in our technology talent. We ended the fiscal year with 180 engineers and 100 data scientists. We also drove leverage in our advertising spend this quarter, 
realizing a 10 basis point improvement year over year as we continue to invest responsibly in our marketing programs. Adjusted EBITDA for the quarter was $11.1 million, or 3.5% of net revenue. This was just above the high end of our guidance range, driven by higher net revenue, gross margin expansion, and variable labor savings. Q4 net income was $18.3 million, and diluted EPS was $0.18. These results reflect a credit of $9.4 million in the income tax provision line of the P&L, primarily due to stock-based compensation deductions associated with shareholder activity in the quarter. We also realized tax benefits from R&D credits and certain other deductions. Finally, we delivered free cash flow of $55.6 million in fiscal year 2018. We finished the year with capital expenditures representing less than 1.4% of net revenue. On the working capital front, we continue to narrow the gap between our inventory growth and our revenue growth, with year-end inventory up 26% year-over-year, inclusive of investments in categories like kids. For the year, we turned inventory six times on a merchandise cost basis. Looking ahead to fiscal 2019, I'll now provide our guidance for Q1 and the full year. For Q119, we expect net revenue in the range of $354 to $360 million, representing growth of 20 to 22% year-over-year. We expect adjusted EBITDA in the range of $5 to $9 million, or an adjusted EBITDA margin of 1.4 to 2.5%. For full year fiscal 2019, we expect net revenue in the range of $1.47 to $1.53 billion, representing growth of 20 to 25% year-over-year. We expect adjusted EBITDA in the range of $20 to $40 million, or an adjusted EBITDA margin of 1.4 to 2.6%. Finally, we expect CapEx to represent approximately 2% of net revenue for the year as we invest further in warehouse automation, headquarters space, and proprietary software. Please note, our revenue guidance does not include any impact of the UK launch, which we expect to occur at the end of the fiscal year. Our adjusted EBITDA guidance, on the other hand, reflects the people and infrastructure investments we're making to support our international expansion. These investments, combined with the launch of our kids category, represent the vast majority of the decrease in our adjusted EBITDA year over year. Finally, please note that 2019 is a 53-week fiscal year and that Q419 will include 14 weeks. Our 2019 guidance reflects the impact of this additional week. With that, we're now ready for your questions. Operator, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you. At this time, if you do have a question, please signal us by pressing star 1. Again, that will be star 1 for questions. We'll hear first today from Chris Merwin with Goldman Sachs. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Um, just two questions from me. I think last quarter we, when we saw the, the growth acceleration in the business. One of the reasons uh, you all gave was improving customer retention. And I was wondering if you could just talk about the underlying trends there you're seeing for, for retention for core women's and also how we should be thinking about the incremental contribution of, of men's uh, plus and kids in the context of your fiscal 19 guidance. And, and then I've got a follow-up. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Chris. 
Um, in terms of underlying trends and retention, I think there are two data points I would point you to. Um, one is we saw really strong revenue per client numbers this quarter, and I think that's really a testament to the cumulative efforts of um, retention and re-engagement. Um, we also shared a new re-engagement number, um, updating our number to um, a million clients who've been re-engaged um, between 2014 and 2018, um, and I think both of those are testaments to kind of the strength that we're seeing in the retention side and what we're excited about. Um, and uh, I guess in terms of like the contribution of the businesses, I can have Paul take that. Sure. So our 20 to 25 percent revenue growth guidance for 2019 reflects sort of the trends we saw in 2018, which is continued strength in a core women's business as we've added flexibility to the um, offerings, as we've added style pass to engage clients um, more often, as well as scaling our newer businesses. So men's hit its two-year anniversary. Uh, this past year, as well as um, kids is just sort of early out the gate. So we see sort of momentum on both fronts, and that's reflected in the uh, full year guidance for the year. Got it. And, and just on, on gross profit, um, I guess gross margin specifically, obviously we saw a you know, very strong quarter there, and I think you called out, um, I guess, re reduction in inventory re reserve and clearance expense. I guess as we look into fiscal 19, should we think about a continued improvement in gross margin as you continue to, to, to scale the men's and plus businesses and, and, and become more efficient with those as well? Um, what, what is contemplated within the, the guidance that you've given? Thank you. Sure. So our EBITDA guidance for 2019 reflects the same dynamics that we saw in 2018. So underlying um, our businesses, we have the dilutive impact of new categories. So men's plus and now kids have lower gross margins today than women's, given that they're still very early in the journey. But what was exciting that we saw in Q4, and again, sort of something we're focusing on for the next year, is we're going to strive to soften those impacts in, in three fronts. The first is our inventory management capabilities um, are really, really playing out, and our ability to buy product upfront correctly and getting through the, to the right client has really helped us reduce clearance over time. So that's things like tools we're giving our, our merchants to rebuy and to size the inventory correctly. Then also the algorithms are driving our stylist tools to match product and client. Secondly, we're really excited that uh, we're able to reduce shrink year over year and quarter over quarter. And that's been a big focus for us and a capability we're going to continue to build um, into the near year. And then finally, um, while we're uh, investing in new categories, we're seeing scale. So men's hitting its second year um, has allowed us to increase that margin for the business both quarter over quarter and year over year. We added a third warehouse um, um, this past quarter for men's, and that's reduced sh shipping costs. So all of those dynamics are really helping us mitigate the impacts um, of new categories. And again, um, we're excited about the TAM expansion as a result of that, and the gross margin dynamics are reflected in the guidance they've given for 2019. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. We'll hear next from Douglas and Moose with JP Morgan. Great. Thanks for taking the question. Um, and a couple. Um, first, just hope you could provide a, a little bit more clarity just on the 4Q revenue growth and the trajectory just relative to what we saw in, uh, in the third quarter, um, the 29 versus the 23%. Um, second, on style pass, uh, Kat, you talked about uh, you know some of the early metrics, um, at least qualitatively. Um, just curious if that changes or you know, perhaps accelerates in any way how you roll that out and expand it uh, to more users. Um, and then just third on on marketing, uh, I know you're seeing better returns on the TV side than, than you expected. Um, any more color that you can add on kind of the plan around marketing as you go into 19? 
Thanks. Or uh, your fiscal, yeah, your fiscal 19. Thanks. Great. Um, yeah, I think in terms of just the overall revenue growth, I mean, we're really focused on the full year here. And so what we what we shared, I guess, at this point, we've been very consistent, I think, for a couple of years around kind of this 20 to 25 percent range. Um, and you know, we're looking at that on an annual basis and, you know, really proud of the consistency that we've shown this year and I think reflects kind of the way that we're thinking about next year. Um, and so driving this profitable growth and balancing between profitability and growth is something we've been committed to. And I think the, the results um, the results share that, or the results reflect that. Um, on your question on StylePath, you know, we've been really excited about the early results. I think um, you know these are clients who are performing in a really, really healthy way. They're contributing a lot to the business, um, and you know I think right now we feel like the program is rolled out to the you know, the, the proper audiences. But absolutely, over time, as we see that our business is getting better, as we see that there's ways that we can lift all tides, um, you know, it gives us optimism that there might be a broader opportunity for StylePath. Um, but you know, for now, I think. We're we're really pleased with what we've seen with the rollout and um, and just really excited that this has been a way to really um, you know continue to keep clients excited over a long period of time um, Lastly, on you know on the marketing, I think the what we've learned from the TV dark test is really more around you know how does TV actually perform in terms of delivering clients, and also how does it impact other other channels. And I think the way to think about that is just that it's really um, us fine tuning, understanding how all of our different marketing channels contributes to our portfolio. Um, marketing diversification is something we've talked about for a long time, um, and you know, we always knew that TV was an important um, component of that. But I think um, having gone through this test and having really understood more granularly how TV impacts, I think we feel like it's a really important part of the portfolio and you'll continue to see us invest there. Great. Thank you. From Barclays, we'll move to Ross Sandler. Mr. Sandler, you might be on mute. Hearing no response, we'll move next to Mark Mahaney with RBC Capital Markets. Okay, great. Uh, three questions. One, just to follow up on that, uh, Doug's uh, advertising uh, question, is the uh, idea then that you've already turned back on that TV advertising? I know you talked about having turned it off. Um, is, it, is it already turned back on? Secondly, in terms of the reducing the wait times for kids that you talked about, is that has that challenge already been addressed or is that uh, TBD to be figured out? Um, and then maybe the last question, just in terms of the fiscal 19 guidance, and maybe this one is for, for you, Paul. Um, the guidance implies that the potential for acceleration as you go through the year, but you're not including a UK contribution. Like broadly, what would cause that to happen? What would cause the high end of the growth range, you know, to be higher as you go through the year than beginning of the year? Or is that just a, is that just the uh, the, the additional week? Uh, thank you very much. Great, thanks, Mark. Um, I'll start out with the advertising question, and then I'll probably have Mike and Paul. Um, chime in on the other two. Um, I, I get the easiest question. The answer is we have um, we will be turning we have turned TV back on. TV is an important part of that portfolio. It is pretty easy to turn back on, and the great news is that now um, it's even more measurable. We understand its contribution even deeper, and um, and you know you'll 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 see us on the air. Um, I'll have Mike talk about kids. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, to your point, we we have improved every week in terms of solving. 
the more demand than we expected in the kids business. Uh, it really was focused more on older kids and girls specifically, and we've been able to chase into inventory to improve that situation week over week. So it's in process, but we're really close to having it back to the normal wait times that we expected when we started the business. Hey Mark, in terms of your question on FY19 guidance, um, the 20 to 25% growth rate reflects um, the impact of the 53rd week, which is approximately two points of growth for the year. Uh, but it also reflects a whole series of initiatives we have laid out from a product and marketing perspective. And, you know, we think that growth rate is a healthy growth rate that allows us to kind of deliver great client experience and also maintain profitability um, and be able to invest in any geographies like, like the UK. Uh, so the, the ability to kind of hit the high end of the range is really just sort of the impact of those initiatives we laid out. And uh, certainly we'll give you an update. You know, we're two months in and we'll give an update in, on future calls. And, and I'm sorry, if I could, any particular reason why you chose the UK as your first international launch versus other markets? Yeah, I th you know, the UK, um, the, I think there are a lot of reasons that we're really excited and optimistic about the UK. Um, and maybe to step back in general, international, I think overall, we, it has been an opportunity that people have asked us quite a bit about and one that we've spent a lot of time looking at and, um, you know, I think internationally broadly is an opportunity we're excited about. And then looking specifically at the UK, there's a couple of attributes of the UK consumer that I think are especially interesting. Um, one is really that it's already a very apparel e-commerce heavy audience. And so um, clients there, spend, your customers there are spending more um, online in, e in apparel than they are in the US. And so that's definitely an element that we like. Um, it's also an audience that um, is a little bit less discount oriented than the US. Um, there's just, just not as much discounting there as there is here. And so that is also um, a helpful attribute. And then lastly, I think just from a product market fit perspective, um, the idea of personalization, of having a personal shopping um, alternative to, um, to other e-commerce players, um, it's a really differentiated um, model in the UK and I think one that consumers are really excited about. Um, and so I think you know, be, us being able to take an approach that truly is personalized and localized to the market um, allows us a greater possibility of success there. And, um, and you I think we're, we're really excited about the market for all of those reasons. Okay. Thank you, Katrina. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. And from Piper Jaffrey, we'll move to Aaron Murphy. Great. Thanks. Good afternoon. Um, a, a couple questions for me. Um, I recognize you took the TV off during the majority of the quarter, but if you were to knowing what you know now about how effective that is, if that had been throughout the quarter as you may have had in the past, what would customer net ads have looked like? Um, is there a way to kind of back into that? And then I guess the second question as it relates to the advertising spend, it still went up year over year despite not having TV. Maybe share some of the mediums or kind of other areas that you're spending on within the ad budget. Yeah, um, I can take those. I mean, I think on the the first question around TV and just the specifics of it, um, you know, unfortunately we don't have that data to share. Um, you know, I think what we the TV dark test was really less about um, you know less about volume in the quarter as much as it was really understanding and learning the impact. And from that perspective, it was really successful and really important for us to run that test in order for us to run TV with confidence in future quarters and really understand how it contributes to our business. Um, and so, um, yeah, so I think that that's really what we were looking for in that test. 
Um, on the latter question, um, year over year, our advertising spend was up, but actually our client growth is also, we're at 25% um, net ads on the client side. Um, and so, you know, we're really happy with kind of the returns that we're seeing on the advertising and marketing side. That continues to be true. Um, and again, you know, just as a philosophy, like this is not a company where we are throwing, you know, all of the fuel in the kitchen sink and the fire on the marketing and advertising side. Um, you know, we really operate with an ROI mindset. We look for quick payback on the on those marketing dollars spend, um, and that is still continues to be true this quarter. And um, you know, certainly the learnings that we had in this quarter help us to make sure that that's even it's even even more accurate and true in future quarters. Okay, thank you. And then just two more if I can. One, uh, I guess for Paul, on the, on the guidance for Q1, you are expecting it to decelerate a little bit further, even though you'll have a full quarter of the impact of kids. I guess I'm curious if you're being conservative on how you're planning kids to ramp, or is it reflecting uh, more of a deceleration in women's? And then a bigger picture question, my last one for you, Katrina, is just on voice commerce. I'm curious kind of what role you see that playing in wardrobing, and is that an area of investment that you're, you're thinking to lead the team towards? Thank you. So I'll take the, the Q1 question and then and turn over to Kat. So our 20 to 22% revenue growth guidance to Q1, uh, it fits into the, the broader full year guidance, the 20 to 25% growth. We've made a series of choices um, in terms of the investments we're making in our core business as well as new categories. And there's going to be put the calls between quarters, but there's nothing specific to call out to Q1 versus the rest of the year. We think it's a good growth rate and one that I think um, sort of plays out for the long term. Um, and Aaron, thanks for your question on the on the voice side. Um, you know, I think voice commerce it, it is in the bucket of a lot of other technologies that we see that we're certainly keeping an eye on. Um, but I think today a lot of the voice commerce um, applications that you've seen have really been around the value proposition of like cheap, fast, and convenient. Um, and I think what we've found more broadly is that with apparel, there's so much more nuance, there's so much more to understand, um, and that that cheap, fast, and convenient value proposition just really isn't enough to help solve the true discovery element of how do I find clothes that fit me and my style and my occasion. Um, and so, you know, we, we look at a lot of the technologies that are being adopted out there on the market or haven't yet been adopted on the market, and this is certainly one of them. Um, but, you know, I think when we think about what are the most powerful tools that help people to discover the things that they love, um, you know, this isn't one that we see as being kind of a primary tool in the toolkit yet. Great. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Aaron. We'll go next to Ryan Domjancic with William Blair. Hey, good afternoon, and thank you for taking my question. So regarding the kids' launch, have you begun putting meaningful advertising dollars behind that new vertical yet, or are you marketing to that client base, I think about half your client base that currently has kids? And then if you haven't started putting paid advertising dollars behind it yet, uh, when do you intend to put more dollars behind that new vertical throughout the 2019? Yeah, this is Mike Ryan. I'll take that. Uh, we have not uh, put a lot of paid advertising against that. We have a, as you referenced, uh, you know, one in two of our existing client base has kids, and and they understand Stitch Fix and are excited about Stitch Fix, and so uh, it's not an easy sell to kind of convert them, but it's cheaper, obviously, to go organically at our existing client base. Uh, you know, we, we just look at the kids' business as trying to build it just like we have in all of our businesses, build it the right way, meaning from a profitability standpoint, balancing growth and profitability, primarily to deliver a great client experience. So 
unclear on when we'll kind of put a lot of paid against it. Um, but, you know, I think we're com comfortable with the growth plans for kids and really excited about the organic demand that we're seeing in kids. All right, Mike, thank you very much. You're welcome. And we'll hear now from Ross Sandler with Barclays. Great. Can you guys hear me this time? We can. Hi, Ross. Okay. All right. Um, just two questions. First, on the gross margin cadence. So you guys have talked about how new categories take a while to kind of build up to where the core women's business is. Do you feel like the mix shift uh, to plus and men's has fully cycled through at this point, and we should be in a, a position to see steady gross margin improvement uh, into the future kind of permanently? And given that the UK is more of a geography rollout, not, not a new category, uh, and you guys have a lot of history with, you know, the existing uh, women's category. How will the UK rollout impact gross margin, if at all, uh, once that gets up and running? And then the second question is, is just back to the retention kind of net ads earlier questions. So if we look at client net ads quarter on quarter, they were only up about 54,000 from last quarter. That That cadence was a little bit lower than the previous trend line. So uh, is that mostly just cutting back the TV program or is there a different mix of, you know, one and dones from these new categories that are, uh, that are growing fast? Uh, any other color on the uh, net ads would be helpful. Thanks. So, Ross, I'll take the, the gross margin question. So, looking ahead to 2019, um, we do expect uh, the penetration of our newer categories, namely men's plus and now kids, to be increasing at a, at a, uh, at a, at a higher rate than it was in 2018, and therefore there will be a mix shift impact uh, resulting from the higher penetration. Uh, that being said, we're really excited to see sort of the, the strength of, of men's in particular, of, of the scale we're getting from that, as well as being able to offset some of that dilution from the various cost efficiencies and um, other COGS focus areas that we've um, shown in Q4, frankly. So um, certainly um, we'll see sort of those dynamics playing out. Uh, specifically to the UK, I mean, we do expect the gross margins to be um, lower early on, just like um, men's and, and so forth. Um, it's going to be a smaller scale business, obviously, early on, and so our buys will be smaller. Um, we'll also be investing in inventory up front to make sure that um, we kind of really are able to uh, serve our new clients well, and that will probably translate to higher clearance. Uh, so we have a roadmap here as we launch new businesses or new geographies that we certainly would derive uh, benefits over time as we scale them and learn along the way. And then, Ross, I can take your question on retention. Um, you know, I think we're looking at this from kind of a year-over-year -year rate, and we saw active clients grow 25% year-over-year. Um, you know, we're really happy with kind of the foundational fundamentals that really helped us to achieve the higher end of our guidance range. Um, you know, we don't have any of, uh, you know, we wouldn't say that this is a quality issue of, like, that we have more one and dones. I mean, if anything, I think this is a business where we're really focusing on client quality and really focusing on ROI and LTV and how clients are demonstrating value over the long term. Um, and the more that we're able to learn through things like the TV incrementality test, um, you know, the more we're able to hone that and really improve that over time. Um, and so, you know, I think this is just, these are, our top line revenue is consistent with where we shared that we would be and consistent with where we plan to go in the future. Um, and, you know, I think the underlying uh, fundamentals are, are ones that we're happy with.
Anything further, Mr. Sandler? Yep, that was great. Thank you. Thank you, Ross. Thanks. We'll move on to Yosef Squally with SunTrust. Okay, thank you very much. One clarification, a couple of questions. So um, as you expand into the UK, do we know whether you are going to be going with women first or uh, with the entire offering? That's the first uh, clarification, please. Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, we're planning to go with women's and men's. Um, so kids is still a newer business for us, but women's and men's will be part of the offering. And would that include plus as well or just women and men? Um, I think we, we're a little bit early, I think, to share the really specific sizes, the, the really specifics around kind of which sizes we're going to cover. There are also sizing differences between the UK and the US. Um, and so I think we'll probably wait to share more details around that when we get closer to market. Okay, that makes sense. And then um, I, I know you don't break out uh, growth by segment, but could you just help us maybe gauge the health of, of uh, growth in core women, uh, either on year on year basis or whichever, um, just to kind of get a, a, a sense of how your oldest business continues to, to perform. That's one question we often get. And then lastly, just broadly speaking on the competitive landscape, maybe you can just update us if there are any changes that you've seen out there that may make you change your mind either on the TAM or whatever. Amazon obviously made a lot of noise last week with Scout. Just for example, as you take that as, a, as an example, how much of a threat is that you're, uh, to the growth in, in, in the business over time? Thank you. Yeah, this is Mike. I'll take the core women's question. Uh, the core metrics of the business have been healthy, and, uh, and I can give a couple of category stories, I think, that kind of help uh, demonstrate that. Uh, we had mentioned in past quarters that we were expanding uh, our offering in premium brands and lower price point brands, and we're seeing increased satisfaction scores and success rates in uh, both of those offerings. Uh, the other thing in, in premium brands that I continue to be excited about is this idea of evolving the conversations that we have with, with our premium brands. For example, you know, over 50% of our product now in, in, our, in that category is exclusive to us. And I would say all of our conversations with contemporary brands and premium brands is around doing special product for us. So the business is very healthy and the underlying metrics are, are, are healthy, uh, but we do believe there's a TAM opportunity to continue to expand in women's uh, and believe that our investments in adding assortment as well as you know, probably using some marketing against that will, will help realize that TAM expansion. And then to answer your question on the competition, um, you know, I mean, apparel has always been a pretty competitive space, and I don't think that's changed too much in the seven or so years that we've been doing the business. Um, you know, in particular, I think a lot of the innovation that we've seen over the years has really been around this kind of cheap and fast value proposition, and we really haven't seen anybody address the really hard part of shopping for apparel, which is the discovery element of which jeans are going to be right for me, which dress is going to be right for the occasion. Um, and those are still things that you know we, we don't see a ton of, um, you know, we don't see a lot of other businesses that are really approaching it with a, with a similar solution that's truly personalized and really incorporating a human element. 
Um, specific to your question on Amazon, look, I mean, we, you know, we obviously watch Amazon closely. Um, they also have 8% of the apparel market share. And so if you think about kind of how much market opportunity there is out there, 92% of that, of that mark op opportunity is, is, um, you know, is out there. A lot of it is in stores. A lot of it, um, you know, is in a pretty dispersed set of retailers. Um, and, you know, we really think it's differentiated to be focused on um, how do we help people find what they love and really applying a truly human element um, to this very nuanced category. Um, and so, you know, we, we think we, of course, keep an eye on what's going on competitively. We are very aware that it's a competitive industry, um, but at the same time, we have a lot of confidence in the differentiation of an approach that is a very human, personalized approach. Okay. Thank you very much. And as a reminder, that is star one for other questions at this time. We'll move next to Ike Baruchow with Wells Fargo. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, two questions. First, uh, on the UK investment, um, maybe can you explain a bit uh, what's behind the, the additional spend that you're making this year? Um, and then just putting some of the commentary together, is it a fair assumption to say that all else equal uh, without this UK push, uh, EBITDA dollars this year uh, would actually be higher uh, year over year? I just I'll take that question. So um, as is the case with a lot of our investments, it flows through the P&L. So um, with our investment in the UK and, and launched by the end of this year, a lot of that will be around talent. Uh, we, we know as a personalization company, we need to have an ability to understand our clients well. So we are building um, a buying team in country, and it also will be ultimately building a, 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 a styling organization over there. So as we sort of build out that capability the next year, uh, we'll be hiring uh, ahead of, of, of the launch and making sure we have the right assortment and capabilities to do a very successful launch. In terms of your question about broader EBITDA impact, as I noted in my comments, um, a lot of our year-over-year decline in EBITDA, as implied in my guidance, is due to the launch of the UK and to a lesser extent kids. I would also note that um, as we look at uh, marketing, uh, we've um, really seen that as an opportunity for us to drive returns. And in 2017, we spent 7% of revenue, and we increased that to 8% in 2018. And we do see um, an opportunity to step that further in 2019. Not only um, do we have a diverse set of channels in which we can communicate um, our offerings, we're also, with Deirdre Finley, our new CMO on board, really starting to think about brand and how do we continue to build that love with both our existing and future clients. So we see um, a certain opportunity to um, expand our marketing spend that's also sort of um, embedded in the EBITDA guidance for 2019. Got it. And then just a quick follow-up. So uh, sticking with the UK, how do you think about, I guess, higher level, how do you think about scaling uh, that market relative uh, to, to the U.S. market? Because I, I believe the UK is a much smaller apparel market and online penetration rates are lower than in the U.S. So again, I'm, trying to, I'm just curious how you kind of frame the ultimate opportunity there versus what, what you guys are working on here in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, we have a really – I think the data to us is really optimistic in terms of the size of the market. Um, it's a market where there's 50 million people. Um, yes, that's smaller than the U.S., but um, it's a really sizable opportunity, I think, um, you know, relative to some of the other markets out there. Um, and actually what we found is that there's a lot more – there's a much higher penetration of e-commerce shopping in the U.K. than in the U.S. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a smaller country, shipping times are faster, um, people are much more used to shopping um, apparel in an e-commerce format than they are in the U.S. Um, and so, you know, I think both of those give us some really positive signals that the U.K. is a, is a really ripe um, kind of opportunity for us. Great. 
Thanks so much. Thanks, Mike. And we'll hear now from Edward Ruma with KeyBank Capital Markets. Hey guys, thanks for taking my question. I guess first on the UK spend, how should we think about the shape of the UK spend um, through next fiscal year? Is it is it back and weighted? Um, and then I guess second, um, you know, you used to give some detailed cohort performance data um, in terms of that woman's uh, core woman spend. I guess when you look at that core female, that's maybe three or four years. Um, you know, customer stitch fix, I guess kind of how has her spending changed and are you starting to see some better results from things like extras uh, that can include, that can increase that take rate? Thank you. Great. I'll probably have Paul start out and I'll jump in on the cohort. Yeah, I think directionally given that a, a good portion of our investments with the UK are, is talent, um, it will be sort of increasing over the course of the year. We've hired a general manager and a head of uh, buying, and they'll be starting to fill out the team um, now that we've publicly announced the launch. Uh, so you will see that ramp up over the course of the year. Yeah, and the question on cohorts, um, you know, I think w when you're looking at three to four years out, I mean, firstly, you know, we are operating on an ROI, uh, like, mentality when we're thinking about marketing. And so, you know, we're really looking for quick payback. And as um, as cohorts get to those three, four, five, six-year marks, um, you know, they continue to add value to the business. That's all really incremental to the spend that um, the kind of initial spend there. And that's something that, um, you know, is really important to the business. Um, I think you know revenue for client is probably one good place to look at is um, to really think about how we've been able to um, generate more value from those clients. Um, you know, extras definitely has uh, something to do with that. Um, style tasks, which we shared some enrollment numbers or, or kind of enrollment expectations around and being able to see a lot of opt-in on style tasks. And those are clients that are spending more, that are higher value clients. Um, you know, I think these are all initiatives that, um, that really help us um, certainly in those first few years, but definitely in those years three, four, and five um, as well as we're, um, you know, as we're kind of looking at cohort health and continuing to be excited about what we see there. Great. And one final, if I may, um, I know that you've had some favorability from a shrink perspective. Is that tied to kind of how you would have initially thought the new categories would have uh, progressed, or is that against the core women's business? And I guess as we think about, you know, all the new categories and then soon, I guess, a new geography, um, how do we think about your opportunity to kind of continue to move uh, that shrink number lower? Thank you. Sure, I'll take that. Um, so yes, we, we've seen shrink increase over the past uh, one and a half years, and you know while it's, we've seen that across the board as we've expanded in new categories, notably men's and premium brands, we have seen a correlation there. And I think you know you're seeing the results of our sort of concerted efforts across the organization to be very tenacious on managing that uh, through engineering work to make sure we you know validate credit cards as well as helping our customer service agents up front identify clients who are likely fraudulent. So as we expand to new geographies as well as new categories, rest assured we see this as a capability we need to continue to bolster and to strengthen. But again, I think Q4 um, is really exciting to kind of see the sort of the results of our efforts to date. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thank Ed. you. And with that, I'd like to turn things back to Katrina Lake, founder and CEO. Great. Thank you again for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you on the road and keeping you updated on our performance. And that will conclude today's conference. Again, thank you all for joining us.